on the beat. Hello everyone, welcome to the MJ Strainer Podcast, episode 5. Um, today we actually have some pretty good topics, because a lot of like big news stuff been happening around the league lately, both leagues. Um, first, I'm going to just talk about Joe McCoy and how he signed with the Panthers and broke my heart, but that's fine. Does it be like that sometimes, don't it? Uh, Duke Johnson, still wanting a trade and a little bit talking about the Browns minicamp and in general kind of the news that's been coming out of there. LeBron might request a trade if the Lakers don't land any marquee free agents or trade for someone to help him out. And AD being shopped in the trade market. Finally, on top of that, we're going to talk about the finals and how the series has been evened. Um, so, Joe McCoy to the Panthers. Joe McCoy signed a one-year, roughly $8 million deal with the Panthers. You know, I don't really get it. <laughs> I talked about on the last podcast that, oh, he wants to win. Well, first of all, just off that statement alone, I don't know if Carolina is the move. But I also said that if Carolina or someone else offers him a substantial substantial amount of money, that it could be possible that, you know, he ends up signing somewhere else where he doesn't really necessarily have the chance to win. And obviously the contracts and what Cleveland and Baltimore offered him aren't released. But my guess is it's probably less than $8 million. It always sort of makes me curious on what they were offered. Because eight million I mean eight million is a good amount of money, especially for him. I guess that would kind of be what you'd expect to pay him. But how much less money did Baltimore and Cleveland offer him to the point that he'd be willing to go to the least competitive of the three? Um, least competitive of the three. Because it's sort of like, hey, Baltimore has a better chance at winning. Cleveland has a better chance at winning than both Carolina. So, how much money were you offered? Like $1 million? Whatever. It'd be like that sometimes. But he contributes to you know, Carolina, who's sort of still... It's hard to really say they're rebuilding. They're sort of in limbo. It's sort of a thing that happens with Super Bowl teams that they never really come back and they sort of stay... I don't want to necessarily say irrelevant, but like kind of competitive, but they're not going to win a Super Bowl. I guess you could sort of make the argument for Philly. The Patriots are always good. Atlanta fell, and they're just not really great anymore. But that's sort of an effect you see, and that's kind of what Carolina's going through, and they're trying to rebuild something, and maybe they could end up getting back on the competitive side, but I don't know if Gerald McCoy is going to be the answer. But that's fine. He signed a contract with them. He's going to be a contributor. Carolina got better. We'll see if they end up being a dark horse in the NFC. I don't think they will, but who knows? Only one way to find out, and that's the regular season. Next topic. Duke Johnson requesting a trade. This is old news. He requested a trade on April 1st, April Fool's Day. Um, I thought Cleveland was going to trade him around the draft to get draft capital and you know ultimately get better like Philly was having interest in him and I kind of wanted to see him I still kind of want to see him in Green Bay or I mean I guess I shouldn't really say with the uh, Colts because you know they're going to be competitive and you shouldn't now it makes sense for me as a Browns fan hey don't trade within the conference or trade in the division because you're going to have to deal with them at some point if you're competitive and they are competitive too so you know at the time I wanted to see him with the Colts because get Andrew Luck weapons, you know, they could use a running back. They're, they're already pretty good at running back. It's hard to really say, considering that Marlon Mack is sort of their main guy. 
So, you know, they could, they're not necessarily in the market for a running back, but they could use one. You know, it's not a top priority. And Green Bay, get Andrew Luck weapons. And those were kind of the two destinations that I wanted to see Le'Veon Bell go to most. Like if Le'Veon would have went to the Colts, it would have been game over. If he would have went to the Packers, it would have been game over. You know, and both those teams, you know, their quarterbacks need more weapons. And Duke Johnson, a guy who can play in the slot as well as being able to play, you know, at running back and be pretty good. He's a guy who can contribute for both those teams. But then, of course, draft passes. He's not traded. You know, there are rumors of us trading him for a linebacker, and then, you know, nothing ever came from that. So, overall, I don't know if he'll be traded. From what I heard and what has been told is that Hilliard, who was, you know, like the third string at, you know, beginning of the season, fourth string running back, has been impressing at OTAs and training camps today. So they'll see if, you know, he continues on this upswing and in these strides. You know, maybe if he impressed enough, they can say, yeah, he can run the number two for the first eight games of the season or first eight weeks until Kareem Hunt comes back. And then you trade Duke Johnson for, I don't really know, because I don't really know who's on the market. I don't know if they still want a linebacker, if they kind of getting things set, or if they just want maybe more draft capital for 2020, which is possible. You know, it's not too far-fetched that they want more draft capital. But I think ultimately what might end up happening is you run with Duke Johnson and Chubb in the backfield and Hilliard too, and then Hunt comes back, you trade Johnson, and then you got you know, sort of a three running back, mostly two running back tandem. And then again, you just got Hillard, who's kind of there, who can play or supposedly can play. He didn't do too awful last season. Obviously, he didn't get a whole bunch of opportunities, but, you know, we'll just have to see a Duke Johnson trade. I don't really see it happening, but he said he still wants to be traded because, you know, he doesn't feel wanted. I understand that. You know, he's on the trade market or he's on the trade block. They're looking for you know, guys that we could use or picks we could use for him. And ultimately, they just kind of go, yep, nothing, we're just going to hold on to you. Like, no, that doesn't make a ton of sense. So, all that being said, Duke Johnson, don't think he'll be traded until, like, later in the season. So, I think he's going to be a Cleveland Brown at the beginning of the 2019 season. Now, moving on from football... To now talk about basketball. The Warriors even the series at one uh, a few nights ago. Today's Tuesday. Um, that was sort of disappointing. You know, Toronto wins game one and everyone's like, oh man, Toronto could pull it off. And I was, I was saying that too. I was like, hey, maybe Toronto is for real. Maybe they really came here to play. And then game two, it was looking like the same thing. For the first half, you were like, it's looking like Toronto's going to take game two. And this is like the perfect, this is what I said they like need to do. They need to capitalize off these games where Kevin Durant is not playing. You know, you need to win these games. And taking a nice 2-0 lead and having that good cushion would have been the perfect opportunity for them. Instead, they blow game two. And there were a lot of shots that game where Kawhi, you know, took shots that, in my opinion, were relatively good shots, and he missed them. And if he would have hit those shots, they would have been career-defining, especially if Toronto would have went on to win the game and maybe even, you know, in the future went on to win the series and win the NBA Finals. Those shots for Kawhi would have been career-defining clutch shots. Max Kellerman once said that he has more clutch moments than Kobe. 
He was then asked, name those moments, and he was silent. I'm not saying Kawhi is clutcher than Kobe. I'm not even saying Kawhi is clutch. All I know is that if he would have hit those shots he needed to hit and Toronto did what they should have done or what everyone wanted them to do, they could have been for real. And Kawhi could have been for real. And he could have showed the world that he is a clutch player. Instead, he missed those shots. Danny Green hit a three that put him back in the game. Then Iguodala had a wide open three and he smacked it to ice the game. That's just how the way how the world goes. But also that being said, Clay Thompson injured, questionable for game three. Kevin Durant, questionable for game three. These are going to be in Golden State, which to me, I'm not going to say levels the playing fields already seemed like a level playing field after the Raptors took game one with versus the relatively healthy Warriors. But all that in mind, Game 3, if there's no Klay Thompson and no Kevin Durant, and I never root for someone to have an injury. This is like their livelihood. I would never, you know, you're not going to find me saying, oh, they got injured? Good. Like, I'm just going to say facts and say, if Klay Thompson's out and Kevin Durant's out, Golden State, you know, they have only Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and then a bunch of role players. And then you have that going up against the Toronto Raptors, who, you know, Pascal Siakam, Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry, who I think at the beginning of the series, I said that Kyle Lowry is going to be sort of, if he can be a good basketball player, this series will be different. He has to show up. This series, first two games, hasn't really shown up. It's been Pascal Siakam, and I'm not even really going to say Kawhi Leonard because he didn't even play a good game one. In game two, he did, I would just say, good. He just played good. You know, he didn't have this outstanding game. He just played good. You know, he's playing through knee tendonitis. That's the word on the street. So maybe he's got an excuse for why he's not playing so great. All that in mind, Kyle Lowry's not doing good. And if the Warriors miss Clay Thompson and miss Kevin Durant in Game 3, and Toronto can take a game on the road in Golden State, that would be monumental to win a game in Golden State where so few have been able to win. They If they can go in there take a 2-1 lead in Golden State, sort of get a little bit more of a of a cushion, that's going to be a good situation for them. Another thing ultimately is sort of stopping Boogie, sort of watching him on defense in the pick and roll. It was not great watching him try to defend the pick and roll, and Toronto had to expose that, and they tried to. But what Boogie was doing was sort of exposing Toronto's lack of a big guy in the paint. Like Toronto got Marc Gasol, other than him, the list is kind of short. Boogie was out here cleaning glass. He was scoring around the rim. He was doing Boogie Cousins things. Now, here's sort of the scary thing. Not scary. Sad thing about Boogie Cousins to me is that a relatively... It actually probably would have been a poor performance. This would have been Boogie Cousins prior to his Achilles injury. But seeing him put up, you know, 10 rebounds, 11 rebounds, whatever it was, and the points he scored with that efficiency... And everyone's like, he really showed up. He was a catalyst for the Warriors. And it's like, was he really? I mean, yeah, he contributed. At the end of the day, that's something that you need. And that's all you can really ask for in the finals is for you to contribute in a positive upswing. Boogie did that. Everyone's celebrating. But Boogie Cousins at one point was the best big man in the league. He was the best. Ball handling, he could score on all levels. He was automatic. 
tears his Achilles. In my opinion, personal opinion, not overall opinion, it's the worst relatively common injury you can sustain in basketball. I think it's worse than a torn ACL. Players don't really come back from torn Achilles. Lots of guys come back from torn ACLs. Even if they're not the same, torn Achilles is sort of like wreck your career type of injury. Like Kobe, of course, he's the most famous one. You know, getting old tears his Achilles. You know, he was still able to play, but then he tears his Achilles and it was just not the same. Nothing was ever the same. And that was disappointing. Boogie Cousins tears his Achilles, comes back. I, you know, it's hard to really say if you consider him the, like, where you consider him, considering he's playing with four other guys in the starting lineup who can really play. But considering he's coming off the bench in the NBA Finals, playing on minutes restrictions, sort of saying that you're not as valuable as everyone thinks you are sort of says it all but if boogie can return to sort of this glory of being a great player that'd be outstanding but of course i don't think he'll return to that glory with golden state and he'll be rocking a different jersey as i'll get into in a little bit all that being said toronto has to capitalize off guys being injured because you look at the game steph curry always kind of gets off to a slow start like, always at halftime, I'm, like, looking at the box scores, and I'm like, Steph Curry's not showing up. Clay Thompson, Draymond, you know, all these other role players are sort of holding him up. Quinn Cook, who's been really showing up. G League alum, and he's been, you know, hitting clutch shots, good shots to keep the Warriors in the game, putting them back in the game. And I'm like, where's Steph Curry during all this? And all of a sudden, the second half, it's like, oh, there he is, and he starts hitting all these incredible threes and being a playmaker. And that's what you need from Steph Curry, you know, People consider him the best. People used to consider him the best player in the league. I don't know if anyone really still considers him that now. But at the end of the day, you don't have Clay Thompson. You don't have Kevin Durant. Now you have three guys: Boogie, Draymond, and Steph. And you have to hope that that mix with home court advantage is enough to stop Toronto. Which, in my personal opinion, it is. So that's sort of my roundup on the NBA Finals. I guess I really have to give opinion an opinion say Warriors in six I think Kevin Durant comes back for game four Clay Thompson comes back for game four they remain in the series I think Toronto will take game three and they'll take a 2-1 lead but then from there they will not win another game when Kevin Durant comes back and hoping that he stays healthy and everyone else stays healthy now a report earlier today said that if the Lakers don't land any marquee free agents or trade for any blockbuster guys, LeBron could request a trade. LeBron could say, nah, F this, I'm out, I can't. So, I think I've talked about it in an earlier podcast about the potential of LeBron maybe requesting a trade. All that in mind, you look back on it, and I'm like, yeah, I was right. But I don't think there's many teams. I don't think that there's many teams he could join and say, oh, this is a good situation for me. You know, I don't know who would trade for LeBron. Who can trade for LeBron is actually sort of more what I mean. I think everyone would trade for LeBron. Um, In looking at it, I think ultimately staying in California is kind of what he wants. I think I've said it before. LeBron's decision to go to L.A. had nothing to do with basketball. He wants to get in the movie-making business. And Hollywood is kind of the place to be if you want to make movies. So, from there, it comes down to which L.A. team, the Clippers or the Lakers. 
Lakers are a historic franchise who have a lot of young talent and assets that they could trade. Plus, Magic Johnson at the time is the team president. That is the decision I'm going to make. Because Clippers are sort of like the little brother. So, he picks the Lakers. Again, doesn't really have to do with basketball. It's just kind of like, I want to be in LA, and I feel like the Lakers are in a better situation to be competitive. The Lakers end up don't, you know, end up not trading for anyone. Those young players don't really contribute a whole bunch and are constantly injured. I mean, obviously, they still have a lot of value and they could still trade for a blockbuster guy. But then GMs and opposing GMs go, we don't want to make deals with the Lakers. We don't want to trade guys to L.A. That's not what we want to do. And it's sort of like, dang, that's disappointing. So LeBron's now in this situation where he really can't get guys because they can't trade for anyone because no one wants to make a deal with them. They offered literally everyone but LeBron. I guess not literally, but damn near literally everyone but LeBron and four first-round picks. Maybe it was two first-round picks for Anthony Davis, and they went, no. Like, imagine that. If I were the Pelicans GM at the time, I would have said yes in a heartbeat. It cripples the Lakers because now they have no depth, no young talent, and only like two guys. So now you have to look at free agents because now you're not going to trade for any blockbuster guy. And then on top of that, you have all these young assets. Let's assume the Pelicans still get the number one pick. I don't know what that Lakers pick would have been because let's assume that Anthony Davis, they win more games. I don't know if it still would have been the number four pick. But now the Pelicans are in a situation where they have Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, and Zion Williamson. And again, you know, plus that Lakers first round pick, which I think could have still been a lottery pick. But I don't know if it would have been a top five at the end of the day. No one knows and we'll never know. But you still have another pick that I think still would have been a lottery, which whoever you get there, whoever you get there. And all of a sudden you have a young core and you're in this fantastic situation. I think the Pelicans right now are in a fantastic situation. I'll go into that, you know, in a second. But if LeBron were to request a trade, I think he would say, trade me to the Clippers. I want to stay in L.A. That's what I want to do. You know, before, if he wanted to do business in Hollywood, he'd either have to do it that one game a year where he's in L.A. Or do it in the offseason. You know, doing this, he has more time spending 40, 44 games. So you got 41 home games, and then whenever they play the Clippers, it's basically a home game because they're playing in Staples Center still. So he spends all this time in L.A., better for business opportunities, and it, you know I think just being traded to the Clippers would be what he would want, and I think it makes sense. So I think if LeBron would request a trade, he would say like Clippers are nowhere because then if you know if I said earlier, oh he would want to stay in California, I think more specifically Hollywood, but then you also look at the teams in California, Golden State. No way you'd ever want to go to Golden State. He saw what that did to Kevin Durant, hurt his legacy. He wouldn't want to do that. And then you got the Kings, who aren't in an awful situation. I think the Kings could be in a situation to win basketball games soon. But as of right now, they're not in a better situation than the Clippers. All that in mind, we'll just have to see what happens. You know, I've heard talks that there's a whole bunch of guys that the Lakers are recruiting. And really, with every single marquee free agent, it's like, mm, maybe L.A. Like, okay, we'll see. 
Kyrie has said that he's more open to playing with LeBron and going to LA potentially. We'll have to see that. And going from the Celtics to the Lakers, that's kind of fun to think about. I don't think that'll happen. But again, we'll just have to see. Kemba Walker, as I said before, I think is their best bet in terms of signing someone who can play. I wouldn't be surprised if Jimmy Butler goes to LA, and I wouldn't be surprised if Boogie Cousins takes wherever he gets signed, and they end up giving him like lower money than he's really worth to sign there. And then you got, you know, Boogie Cousins, Jimmy Butler, or Kemba Walker. You know, you have a pretty good situation right there. And if if they do as I say, if they do as I say, it's a weird sentence. Sign Boogie for less money. You might have more money left over in cap to sign bench players and role players. And this is sort of a better, more comfortable situation. But at the end of the day, we'll just have to wait and see. Wait and see if they sign Kemba. Wait and see if they sign Jimmy Butler. Maybe Kyrie Irving. Maybe Boogie. Who knows? Maybe they trade that number four pick that's all got value. I think that they're not going to throw another huge deal like that at Anthony Davis again. Which means, ugh, may have missed the gun new orleans but all that being said that leads us into our next topic they're finally shopping anthony davis who requested a trade a long time ago they're finally shopping him before they wanted to hold on to anthony davis and try to restore things obviously that didn't work out david griffin new general manager of the new orleans pelicans said, hey, you know, Anthony Davis, let's let's meet and let's talk. And let's talk about who you could play for, what we could do, something that we can get situated. They meet. Obviously, Pelicans have the number one pick. And I was saying when they got the number one pick, you know, Anthony Davis, help is on the way, and his name Zion Williamson. You know, and then Anthony Davis goes, that doesn't make a difference. Trade me. That's spooky. It's like, oh, no. There's nothing we can do. And that's what I was saying. Well, this is like a while ago. But, you know, when LeBron was, you know, they were like, oh, he might leave, whatever. I was saying, like, I would meet with LeBron and say, listen, we have this Brooklyn Nets pick. What are you doing? Are you going to leave? Because if you're going to leave, we're holding on to the pick. If you're going to stay, we're trading it. So they do the same thing with Anthony Davis. He says, I still want out, and now they're listening to offers. You know, I still think that the Lakers might be the best bet, the number four pick. You know, a whole bunch of young talent. You can get a young core going. And as I said before, the Pelicans are in a fantastic situation. They have the number one pick. They have Anthony Davis, who they're looking to dump, and they can get a whole bunch of young talent for him. They might be on a faster track to success in winning basketball games without Anthony Davis if they trade him than if they continue to have him. All that being said, you have the potential of a New York Knicks trade. And this is something I talked about, you know, a long time ago. I said New York Knicks trade like the three pick plus some other assets for Anthony Davis. The Pelicans take Zion number one and RJ Barrett number three and they reunite Duke and, you know, get him on the Pelicans. And I thought that that could have been fun to see. Now it's looking like it might be Cam Reddish over RJ. But at the the end of the day, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. I say that a lot, but I mean it. Is that I don't, it's hard for me to really think on who you could trade 
him too, that would be the overall best opportunity. Anthony Davis is one of the highest trade value players in the NBA. I think the only player with higher trade value than him is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Maybe James Harden. Maybe. Those are the only guys who I think have higher trade value or maybe higher trade value than Anthony Davis. Kevin Durant doesn't have a high trade value as Anthony Davis. He's close, but it's not as high. LeBron doesn't. No one does. Well, besides the two guys I named. So finding a trade for him is going to be interesting. You know, I think everyone likes to look at Boston and the potential of a trade there. But Boston's sort of like stingy with trading their guys. Trading their guys, I mean Jason Tatum. You know, they've said before, like, oh, we don't really want to trade Jason Tatum. You know, we don't, you know, we see him being this heavy contributor of future success. We don't want to dump him off. We want to hold on to him. And, you know, and that makes sense. I understand that. But if you want Anthony freaking Davis, you're going to have to trade him. You know, you look at all the young talent they have. They have so much young talent, so much depth, so many guys who can play. Because they have so many draft picks and they can draft extremely well, which ultimately turns into this but then you have a system where you have a bunch of guys who aren't leaders they're young they've never been in a situation to lead and the guy that they should be looking to to the leader to be the leader has never been a leader either and that's Kyrie Irving Kyrie's never really been a leader you know three years in Cleveland before LeBron came back those teams sucked he was not a leader that's like saying Kemba Walker's a leader I don't know. It's actually less than saying Kemba Walker. I'm trying to think of a good example, but for now we're going to run with Kemba Walker. Then LeBron comes back. Kyrie's not the leader when LeBron's on the team. So Kyrie goes, hey, I want to be traded and prove I can be a leader and show like I can win accolades like MVP and All-NBA First Team and stuff like that. He gets traded. He doesn't do any of that. He's not leading the team anywhere. He's leading the team to the second round. Cool congratulations a lot of guys can do that now Kyrie realizes that hey I can't be a leader if I want to win I think I should probably be traded or not be traded to leave somewhere else or have another guy here who can help me because as I said none of these guys are leaders I hate to break it to you Anthony Davis isn't a leader either which means I don't know how much Anthony Davis would help the situation that's going on in Boston on top of that I don't know what Boston could really dump off a whole bunch of young talent, maybe Gordon Hayward, just to get that contract off your hands because you threw a giant contract at a guy who was like the best player on a Utah Jazz team that didn't do jack. Like, okay, figure it out. I don't think Boston's the destination for Anthony Davis because I think Boston's going to be too stingy and won't be willing to give up the young talent that they have. New York. New York was sort of my pick. But then you look at the team and you look at the talent and you're like, who do they? Who could they trade? Frank Nitakia? Okay. He's not very good. Dennis Smith Jr.? Okay, but you just traded for him. You're going to trade for him just to trade him? Like, wow, that's fantastic. And other than that, you like Mario Hazonia, Emmanuel Moutier. Who knows? Who knows what they're going to do? Who knows what they could trade? But then you got the number three pick, which is ultimately sort of like the nicest thing they have because that's, you know, extremely valuable because the number three picks are Jay Barrett. 
And R.J. Barrett, as I said, I think has the highest ceiling out of anyone in this draft class. R.J. Barrett's extremely valuable, and I think a trade in New York would be a good trade. L.A. I like L.A. too. Only because of all the young talent plus the number four pick, all that can be utilized in a trade to get a blockbuster player. But no one wants to make deals with L.A. Because of all the, you know, all that drama. All that drama with collusion. All of that drama. No one wants to make deals with them. And it's like, wow, I don't think that's a good enough reason to not make the best trade. Because if I'm trading someone, I'm going to take the best offer available, no matter who the team is. At least in basketball and football, it's different. But in basketball, depending on who the team is, I'm going to do the best trade available. All that in mind, you know, everyone's only talking about those three teams. Who else could maybe land Anthony Davis? I don't know. I've heard talks in Milwaukee. Milwaukee would be insane. Getting Anthony Davis with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Maybe they keep Eric Bledsoe. Maybe they end up trading him. Or maybe they just have a hole at the point guard position. But also, that's no floor spacing. Because I would assume you trade Chris Middleton, who's sort of, I'm not going to say their only shooter, but their by far best shooter. You trade for Anthony Davis. You get rid of a lot of your guys who can shoot the basketball. Yeah, you got Giannis and Anthony Davis, but where's your floor spacing? You don't really got guys who can stretch the floor. Malcolm Brogdon's a free agent. Maybe they do a sign-in trade in the package deal. But what do you expect? What do you want to happen? You got no guys who can shoot. You just got some guys who attack the paint. Teams on defense stack up the paint. All of a sudden, Milwaukee can't win. And everyone's like, oh, but you got two MVP candidates. Well, guess what? It's a poor job building it. One option I do like, though, is Indiana. Now, I don't know how Keaton, now, I think a lot of people consider Boston and New York and LA because those are the big markets. And, like, why would Anthony Davis want to play in Indiana? It's Indiana. What's going on in Indiana? You know, but you have the potential of, like, Victor Oladipo, a dynamic duo of Oladipo and Anthony Davis. That sounds entertaining. I would love to watch that. But lastly, I don't know who Anthony Davis is going to get traded to. I hope he gets traded. So I think whoever he gets traded to is going to get a dog, and it's also going to be a lot to see. As I've said before, Anthony Davis is putting up very similar numbers to what Kevin Love did the 13-14 NBA season. Make 28 points, 14 rebounds. So put him on a team with two other stars, he's going to start averaging 9 rebounds and 18 points. Is that really what you want? So... I'm interested to see how Anthony Davis pans out. If Anthony Davis on a team of stars ends up playing really good or if they end up being meh, you know, and he ends up being Kevin Love, just sort of the third guy. Only time will tell. I'm interested to see who he gets traded to. I think I've even heard Houston. And with Chris Paul and Clint Capella on the trade block, I should have did it. I should have did an Anthony Davis trade deal. <laughs> Dang it. I missed the opportunity. But that would be interesting to, you know, a package deal. And then Anthony Davis ends up going to Houston. That would be fun to see. Again, time will tell. Only one way to find out. And that's to go into the NBA season. Which isn't for a while. A few months. When we get there, we get there. And I'm going to be excited to see what happens. And whatever happens will be extremely interesting. Back on topic, not back on topic, back over to a new topic 
talking about LA and LeBron because I sort of cut this topic off a little more abruptly than I would have liked to. Um, LeBron may be requesting a trade. I think that will be interesting to see, especially to see like what teams give up for him. I think that would also be cool. But something people are forgetting is that LeBron has a no-trade clause, meaning that he can't be traded unless he approves of the team, which means that LeBron in Milwaukee, probably not a thing. LeBron in Indiana, probably not a thing. LeBron in Houston, maybe. Maybe. But a question some people are asking is like, should LeBron regret being traded? Not traded, leaving in free agency. What am I saying right now? Should LeBron regret leaving Cleveland in free agency? My answer is no, because a lot of it was hypotheticals. From what I've heard was that Cleveland and Charlotte had a deal set that would have sent Colin Sexton to Charlotte and Kemba Walker to Cleveland, and that would be insane. But it was all based on, okay, well, here's the deal. If LeBron re-signs with the Cavs, we'll fire on the deal. Kemba Walker will be a Cav, and it'll be, you know, LeBron and Kemba on a dynamic, you know, LeBron, Kemba, Kevin Love, which I think would have been a pretty interesting big three. But then LeBron left, and they said, never mind, we're going to keep Sexton. He's going to be the building block of the future. And obviously, it's panning out, and it's working out, and he's looking like he's going to be the future point guard. That's exciting to see. So all that said, I don't think LeBron should regret leaving in free agency because I think the situation in L.A. is a lot better than the situation it would have been in Cleveland, even if they would have traded for Kemba. Yeah, probably still go to the finals, or at least conference finals at the bare minimum. But you for sure would have made playoffs. But at the end of the day, you get the long-term success and the contract LeBron signed being a four-year deal with player option after the third. L.A. was the team, and I don't think he regrets leaving. Well, that was my final topic, my last key points I wanted to make. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider checking out my other podcasts. I have a few others wherever you're listening to podcasts. Share them if you really like them. Listen to the old ones. Subscribe. I'm going to try to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I know I'm making this one on a Tuesday, but that's fine because I'll make one tomorrow and then I'll make one Friday and then I'll get on track you know, with Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's going to be the goal of three a week. Subscribe wherever you're listening to podcasts. You know, listen in. As I said, three a week. Should be able to do that. Entertaining. Listen to my old podcast. Share my podcast. Promote me. That would be terrific. I hope you guys enjoyed and have a tremendous day. Thanks for joining.